Welcome. In this episode of How We Got Here, we're going to share some fun history. How did St. Nicholas turn into Santa Claus? St. Nicholas is the most renowned Eastern Orthodox saint. He lived during Roman times, was imprisoned for his faith, preached against immorality, defended the Trinity, confronted corrupt politicians, but most importantly, he is remembered for giving to the poor, which he did anonymously as he wanted the glory to go to God and not to him. But how did St. Nicholas turn into Santa Claus? After his death in 343 AD, the tradition began in Greece and Asia Minor of giving gifts on the anniversary of his death, December 6th. In the 5th century, a church was named for him in the city of Myra, present-day Demre, Turkey. An earthquake damaged it in 529 AD, and the emperor Justinian rebuilt it. In 988 AD, Vladimir the Great of Russia converted to Eastern Orthodox Christianity, and he adopted Nicholas as the patron saint of Russia. In the 11th century, Seljuk Turks invaded Asia Minor, killing Christians, destroying churches, and demolishing graves. As the Islamic Hadith, Sahih Muslim, Book 4, Number 2115, instructed, do not leave an image without obliterating it or a high grave without leveling it. In panic, Christians in 1087 shipped the remains of St. Nicholas to a little town on the southern coast of Italy named Bari. The Basilica di Nicola de Bari was dedicated by Pope Urban II, the same pope who begged kings at the Council of Claremont in 1095 to send help to the Greeks. They did. It was called the First Crusade. In a backward sense, Western Europe might not have had St. Nicholas traditions if it had not been for Islam invading Eastern Europe. With St. Nicholas's remains, now in Italy, Europeans embraced the gift-giving traditions associated with him. By 1223, gift-giving was so popular that St. Francis of Assisi, sort of in protest, wanted to get back to the reason for the season. Jesus, the Son of God, was born in a manger. St. Francis created the creche, or nativity scene, humble farm animals with Joseph, Mary, and baby Jesus. Isaiah 7:14 foretold, The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. In 1517, Martin Luther began the Reformation. By this time, there was a saint's day for every day of the year. Churches were filled with statues, relics, side altars, and sepulchers. Luther considered saints' days a distraction from Christ, so he ended them in Protestant countries, including the popular St. Nicholas Day. But since Germans liked the gift-giving, Luther moved the giving to December 25th and declared all gifts come from the Christ child. The German pronunciation of Christ child is Christkindl. Christ means Christ, and Kindle means child like kindergarten, kindercare. Over the centuries, Chris Kindle got pronounced Chris Kringle. There is a Catholic saying, St. Peter's of the Gates of Heaven. Similarly, a Greek Orthodox tradition developed from the prophecy that Jesus will return at the end of the world to judge the living and the dead, riding a white horse, and the saints will return with him, riding white horses. Revelation 19 states, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, 
And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. In righteousness he doth judge and make war. And he has on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Those with him were described. Fine linen, clean and white, is the righteousness of the saints. The armies which were in heaven followed upon followed him upon white horses clothed in fine linen, white and clean. The reasoning went that St. Nicholas was a saint and he would be one of the multitude returning with Jesus riding white horses. But since St. Nicholas was such a special saint, he got to come back once a year for a little mini judgment, a little checkup on the kids, make sure they're on the right track, see who's naughty, see who's nice. Over the centuries, the story evolved. The Lamb's Book of Life and Book of Works turn into the Book of the Naughty and the Nice. The angels turn into elves. Saints came from heaven, the New Jerusalem, the Celestial City. That turned into the North Pole. Now, in England, Henry VIII brought the Reformation, but not because he had a spiritual experience like Martin Luther. He just wanted another wife. He went on to have six wives. Henry got rid of most saints' days but instead of focusing on the Christ child, like Luther, Henry brought back a version of the old Roman holiday, Saturnalia, as Britain used to be a Roman colony since Julius Caesar invaded in 55 BC. Saturn was the Roman god of feasting and plenty and merriment. If you remember the Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, the spirit of Christmas present is depicted as a big guy with robes, a wreath on his head, and a goblet of wine. You're looking at him asking yourself, who is this guy? He sort of looks like Santa, but he also sort of looks like a Roman god. Well, that was Saturn, but they Christianized him and called him Father Christmas. They could not call him St. Nicholas because saints were outlawed during the Reformation. During Henry VIII's reign, Christmas in England became sort of a Mardi Gras. People forget, Mardi Gras used to be a religious day, the day before Lent when people would fast 40 days before Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But now Mardi Gras is a lewd party in New Orleans. Similarly, under Henry VIII, Christmas became partying, carousing house to house, dancing, gaming, and wassailing, drinking spiced ale and throwing some on apple trees for good luck for next year's harvest. When Puritans took over England in 1642, they outlawed Christmas viewing it as too worldly. Puritan leader, Reverend Cotton Mather, said December 25th, 1712, Can you and your conscience think that our Holy Savior is honored by mad mirth and long eating and hard drinking and lewd gaming, by rude reveling, by a mass fit for none other than a Saturn or a Bacchus or a knight of Mohammedan Ramadan? You cannot possibly think so. A multitude of heavenly hosts was heard praising God. But shall it be said that at the birth of our Savior, for which we owe as high praises to God, we take time to please the hellish legions and to do actions that have much more of hell than heaven in them? Puritans were so strict that they forbade Shakespeare from mentioning God in his plays, considering it taking God's name in vain or casting pearls before swine for actors to irreverently speak God's holy name in front of a body audience in theaters, which Puritans considered dens of iniquity. This led to Shakespeare writing plays with mythological Greek gods and fates, such as A Midsummer's Night's Dream, 1595, or Twelfth Night, 1601, which featured a carnivalesque 
drunken revelry based on the ancient Roman festival. Puritans forced Shakespeare's Globe Theater to close down in 1642, and then they pulled it down in 1644. When pilgrims disembarked the Mayflower, the shipmaster Christopher Jones wrote in his log, December 25th, 1620, at anchor in Plymouth Harbor, Christmas Day, but not observed by these colonists, they being opposed to all saints days, etc. A large party went ashore this morning to fell timber and begin building. In 1659, Puritans in Massachusetts instituted a five shilling fine for anyone caught celebrating Christmas. Whereas pilgrims, Puritans, and Presbyterians did not celebrate Christmas, other immigrants did, most notably French and Germans, but especially the Dutch. The Dutch tradition is that St. Nicholas comes once a year to give presents to good children. But the naughty children got something else. Nicholas had with him a Moorish-costumed helper, Zwarte Piet, who put the naughty kids in a gunny sack and took them back to Spain, where they were sold into Muslim slavery. Little boys reportedly cried when they were told that St. Nicholas was coming. Beginning in 1624, Dutch immigrants brought St. Nicholas traditions to New Amsterdam, which became New York in 1664. The Dutch called St. Nicholas Sant Nicolaus, or Sinterklaas, which eventually was pronounced Santa Claus. An author living in New York was Washington Irving. He wrote Legend of Sleepy Hollow, Rip Van Winkle, and coined the name Gotham City for New York. Irving wrote Dietrich Knickerbocker's A History of New York in 1809, in which he described St. Nicholas visiting once a year, but no longer wearing a bishop's outfit, but instead a typical Dutch outfit of long trunk, hose, leather belt, boots, hat, and a pipe. Irving recited, St. Nicholas visits us one night in the year when he rattles down the chimneys, confining his presence merely to children, Laying his finger beside his nose gave a very significant look. Then mounting his wagon, he returned over the treetops and disappeared. Irving wrote, That pious ceremony still religiously observed of hanging up a stocking in the chimney on St. Nicholas Eve, always found in the morning, miraculously filled. Irving explained how St. Nicholas was not only the patron saint of Manhattan, but the namesake of New Amsterdam's first church begun in 1628. It was the oldest corporate body in what is now the United States. For over three centuries, St. Nicholas Collegiate Reformed Protestant Dutch Church was the oldest congregation meeting in Manhattan, meeting in the Protestant Cathedral of New York. President Theodore Roosevelt attended there, Financial mismanagement resulted in church elders selling it to Sinclair Oil Company, who demolished it in 1949 to build an office building. Remaining members merged with New York's Marble Collegiate Dutch Reformed Church. Clement Moore was a Hebrew professor at the General Theological Seminary of the Protestant Episcopal Church which was built on land donated by his family in the Chelsea neighborhood. 
Clement Moore Park is located in New York City at the corner of 10th Avenue and 22nd Street. Moore helped Trinity Church establish a new church on Hudson Street, St. Luke in the Fields. In 1823, Clement Moore wrote a poem for his six children titled A Visit from St. Nicholas. "'Twas a night before Christmas, when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care in hopes that St. Nicholas would soon be there." In 1843, the first lithographic Christmas cards were printed, and Charles Dickens published A Christmas Carol with the characters Scrooge and Tiny Tim. During the Civil War, Harper's Weekly magazine had an illustrator named Thomas Nast, famous for creating the Republican elephant and Democrat mule in his political cartoons. Nast drew St. Nicholas visiting Union troops with a North Pole sign in the background. This was a political jab at the South, the Confederates during the Civil War to say St. Nicholas is associated with the North. In the early 1900s, Haddon Sundblom was an artist famous for Quaker Oats Man and Aunt Jemima Syrup. In 1930, Sundblom was hired by Coca-Cola to create a painting of Santa Claus drinking Coke, which he did annually for the next 33 years. As Coca-Cola pioneered mass marketing, this image of Santa became known worldwide. Though much has been added to his story through the centuries, underneath it all, there really was a godly Christian bishop who lived in the fourth century in Asia Minor named Nicholas. He loved Jesus enough to go into the ministry he was imprisoned by the Romans for his faith, defended the doctrine of the Trinity, preached against immorality, confronted corrupt politicians. But most importantly, St. Nicholas was generous, giving his money to the poor anonymously because he wanted the glory to go to God alone. I hope you have enjoyed this episode of How We Got Here. Merry Christmas. <music>